Hello Switches and welcome back to the Switches podcast. Now I know, I know we're late. To be fair, we weren't exactly on time last year. Um, so I guess we're keeping up traditions. We didn't actually mean to be late this year. But it seems like Zoe and I are really struggling to make our schedules align. The thing is we're both very very busy with work which wasn't as much of a factor last year because of well lockdown for Zoe and unemployment for me but this year we're both working a lot add to that the five hours difference between our time zones it's not been easy to find a time where we can record together on top of that Zoe's not actually been able to watch all the episodes yet. The way that we're going to try to move forward with it is going to be with the different format to last year. So this time we're going to record, each of us is going to record their own segments. We're going to talk to each other in the background and each of us will be able to mention the other's opinions in their segment, basically. Obviously, this won't be the case for this particular episode because Zoe's not because Zoe's not seen the new season yet. Anyway, let's get into the podcast. I definitely want to know what you guys thought of the first three episodes of Motherland. Let's a disclaimer: at the time of recording each segment, I didn't actually know how they were gonna fit together in the end. So I kind of introduce each segment as completely separate. So let's listen to the first segment. I don't know exactly what I was expecting out of, well, the opening of season two, but I was kind of holding out for a little bit more than what we got, as in everything was resolved quite quickly. Every question that we had from the finale was kind of just answered. Like, Brielle and Abigail, what's going to happen to them? I was kind of hoping that they would get to explore the the territory of the Tarim or, you know, something like that. Instead, there was no excitement. Well, uh, I guess, I mean, it does make sense that Alder would just, you know, send a scout. Yeah, send somebody, see if by any chance they're still alive or whatever. Um, and that makes sense, it does. But at the same time, I was kind of hoping that there would be something more happening there. I don't know, maybe just a hint to a maybe a future storyline or something. But no, they just come back to For Salem, which also cuts short Tally's time as a biddy. We knew that she was gonna, she was gonna get unbeated pretty fast in season two because of the trailer really I mean she's not she's not a biddy. Um we, we have seen pictures and trailers of Tally not being a biddy so we knew that this was gonna happen fairly quickly. But did you guys expect it to just be resolved in the first episode? I thought at the very least the first episode would be all with Tally as a biddy. I didn't think she would just get de as I've seen it 
um, described within the first half an hour. I don't know how I feel about that because at the same time, I'm like, okay, good. Because I didn't want Tality to remain a Betty for too long. And it didn't quite make sense for her to remain a Betty either because even from Alder's perspective, right, she gave Tally the choice. And she would have kept Tally as a Betty if Tally had wanted to remain so. We are led to believe that Alder was okay with Tally being a Betty. And, you know, maybe she is. However, my whole... My thought process went like, isn't it better for Alder that Tally did decide to get debedified? Because at the end of the day, Alder needs to know for a fact. She needs to be a hundred percent, a thousand percent sure that she can trust the Bettys, that they would die for her, that they would never question her. That they would never challenge her. She needs to know this for a fact. And witches that do become Betty's, they go through a whole training before they become Betty's. So it would be a bit irresponsible of Alder to keep Tally as a Betty. However, on the other hand, there's also the fact that Alder is quite smug and overconfident. Sometimes she thinks she has more control than she perhaps actually has, like with Kalida, for example. So I guess that would kind of make sense. But in any case, I am happy that we got Tally back as normal. I thought that we would get more of an insight into the Betty's everyday life. Well, we didn't get to see a lot of that. We saw Tally, she got his for older but that was about it um we got to see that there there's some kind of mental connection where they can kind of hear and feel each other but that was about it however the dreams and the way that they remain connected even after the procedure is over that does make sense and we'll get to see older's past we knew that we would get an insight into older's history so that's all good and interesting and I am looking forward to it. In the trailer for episode 4 we see Tally saying something against Alder. She it, it seems that you know the scene right? The scene with Rael where she says that like um, what is it that she says exactly? Rael says that Alder always lies and Tally says something and it's always somebody else's life that she's but yeah, basically, Alder is always, like, risking somebody else's life. So, where have the dreams escalated? Like, there, there clearly is going to be... Tally changes her mind a lot, doesn't she? At the same time, like, I appreciate somebody who can change their opinion. And my question is, are Tally's powers involved in this? Could Tally's sight be the reason that the dreams are happening and that this connection is like manifesting in this way is what's happening is the visions that tell is having only a result of the connection that is still lingering or could it be because of the connection and the way that tally's powers 
engage with it. So that's what I'm curious about. And I'm really curious in, um, about seeing more about Tally's powers and seeing her develop them. So moving on to Abigail, I'm interested in this storm storyline. I'm less interested in Adil, however, I have to say, I like him better in this season than in the previous one. I don't know why. I think he's got a little bit less annoying. Um, but yes, I'm really interested. I, I found it quite fitting and kind of character building that Abigail's, you know, she's a bellwether. She is the special one. You know, whatever she goes, she's the big deal. And now she she's she kind of changed the way that she sees that. She doesn't feel very special anymore because it's not actually about her. It's just about her family. And she's been looking for something to make herself special as an individual, to, to stand out for something else than just being a bellwether. And I thought it was quite interesting how Riel and Tali both are, now have these things going for them that are happening to them. And Abigail is jealous of this. She's envious of them. But Riel reminds her, you know, we didn't choose this. We're not really in control of this. These are things that are basically happening to us. And I thought that was quite important and a very important line I feel in Abigail's character development and the fact that she's now trying to learn how to um, create a storm as powerful as the one that her ancestor um, created I really can't wait to see how that plays out and where that takes her because I do think it's powerful the idea of Rael and Tally are getting these, you know, special storylines because of something that's happened to them. And they're going to have to, well, they're going to have to own it. They're going to have to, they're going to have to act on it and they're going to have to take control of it, take the reins. But it's something that they didn't choose from the beginning. They'll have to make it their own. They'll have to learn to live with it and to use it and to, you know. But Abigail didn't get this. Well, in a way she did. In a way, she was born a bellwether. That's her special thing that's happened to her. At the same time, Abigail's, Abigail feels left out from this, you know, kind of special club that's going on with Rael and Tally, which is kind of pushing her to make something special out of herself but at the same time actually from a third party perspective it kind of is similar it kind of is that the same thing has happened to all of them because Abigail was born a bellwether and that in and out of itself it's something you know worthy of notice and she is taking control of it she is she she's let this define her for a long time she has played into her role for a long time and now 
now she's choosing not to do that anymore. Now she's choosing to be Abigail, not just another bellwether. And she's working on her own powers, and I, I cannot wait to see where that takes her. Alright, so moving on to Rael. We know that Rael's powers are just Rael's, so the mycelium is only connected to Rael, not Rael and Abigail. So I guess Zoe's, Zoe's theory uh, from last season was wrong. I'm sorry, Zoe, you really wanted Abigail to be involved in this, but um, Rael is the only mushroom. But this this is interesting. Why did the mycelium choose Rael? I wonder, is Rael really the first one that it has, that the mycelium has bonded with? Were there witches before her? Doesn't it kind of feel like when when the whole multiple voices thing is happening, doesn't it kind of sound like one of them is a sort of alien, very high-pitched voice, which you could connect to the mushroom, but the others kind of sound human, don't they? Am I just dreaming this? Maybe I am just dreaming this, but to me it kind of sounds like the mycelium is made up of different voices. Now, it could just be the voices of its victims. <laughs> I mean, it could be. What if the voices are voices of witches that it's been previously bonded with? Either way, it is really interesting, and I hope that they kind of give us a bit more in-depth from a witchy science-y point of view. I want to know all the nerdy facts about it. I am going to end this segment on a cute note. I loved, in um, the first episode, one of my favourite scenes was Petra hugging both Abigail and Rael. I loved that. I want to see more of Petra and I especially want to see more of Petra's relationship with her daughter, Abigail. And I kind of would like to see if there's anything... Um, like any mother-daughter vibes with Rael because like she seems to be stepping up well not not really but she's present when Rael gives the demonstration in front of the vice president and general Sharma so is she gonna be a bit more present is she gonna like sort of be every else's side when she goes through all these hard tests and stuff because that is wholesome, and I want to see it. Welcome to a segment that is pretty much solely dedicated to Scylla. Obviously, spoiler alert, we did get it confirmed that Scylla is indeed Mulgar. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but for me it was a huge disappointment. If you remember last year, I pretty much said that if they were to confirm this, I would think that it's a really bad choice. Really poor judgment. I don't know how they're gonna make her come back from this. I don't know how the writers can handle this in a in any way that can be considered right. I get that. I get that they introduced the whole 
terrorist organization in the series in the first place because they wanted to show that terrorists are humans. They're humans who have been through so much conditioning and hurt and you know there are so many factors into what makes somebody become a terrorist. True, they're still people, there's still people behind them. However, are they going to have the space and time to address this properly? They've made one of their main characters kill so many thousands of innocent people, including children. Can they come back from this? Because my worry isn't, oh, this has ruined Scylla's character. No, not necessarily. However, it would require stellar writing, a lot of in-depth into Scylla's storyline, which means a lot of space, screen time. And we know from last season that we don't have this. There just isn't enough screen time to to go after every character. There are so many characters, each of them have their own storylines as well as each of them fit into the bigger storyline, which is already divided in at least two. There are so many storylines this season. I'm sure I will cover this in another segment, but because there are so many storylines this season, I don't think they're going to be able to handle Scylla's very well. And from the trailers, it seems like for now, Scylla's storyline is just going to be, oh, so basically I lost my parents to the army, therefore I became a terrorist. But now all I care about is Rael, so like I don't really care which side I'm on so long as she's safe. And that is, um, that's not good. That is not good. It's not that it can't be realistic, it can be made to be realistic, if done right. I just don't know how they could possibly pull this off with what they have, which is very limited, again, screen time, which is my main concern. I'm sure they could pull this off, but they don't have the space, they don't have the time, there's only 45 minutes for each episode. So what is it going to be this season? Are we just going to see Scylla, like, throw away everything else to just care about Rael? Is that going to be all there is to her storyline this season? Are they going to postpone the bigger story for, like, another season? I I don't think it was a very thought through choice. I understand what they wanted to do. I understand why they thought that this could be an important story. It can be. But I don't think you should try to tackle this kind of huge topics without being fully prepared and having everything that you need to pull it off. And that really makes me sad because... I don't know, is it going to change the way that I see Scylla? Because the thing is, yeah, you can fill in the gaps with your imagination and stuff, but 
at the end of the day, it is a TV show and they have they have to do the work. The, the Elliot has to do the work to portray Solo the right way to, to pull this off. And I don't know if he's going to have the means to do it. And that makes me sad because as much as you can imagine, you can't really imagine a completely different story, can you? Some, some people might say that there's still the possibility that Scylla was manipulated into this and that the spree kind of forced her to do it. We've now been told that actually not all witches are accounted for. And, well, I mean, we knew that with the attack on the Bellwethers line, um, forgotten line, kind of, last year. However, we now learn that actually there could be so many more than that. So we should have known. Surely the Imperative would have known. The Imperatrix, I think she knew and she just didn't really care because those witches to her are not pure enough therefore they must not be powerful enough so they've just been left behind because their blood isn't pure enough the imperative must have known this if the imperative knew this why wouldn't the spree the spree are literally on the ground with the people they're amongst civilians how it just feels weird that the spree wouldn't know isn't it a bit real unrealistic that the spree wouldn't know that there are witches out there who we just don't know about? If the spree knew, and it's a bit unrealistic that they wouldn't know, why would they plan attacks like the one at the mall, which risk killing witches as well? I understand that they have no problem killing witches when it comes to army witches, but these would not be army witches. These would be actual witches who could fight at this with the spree. Like, they could be potential new recruits. So I don't get it. I don't get why the spree would risk killing innocent non-army witches who don't even know that they're witches. And potentially the witch population could be so much more than what we think it is. It also doesn't really... I mean, has the Imperative never talked about this before? Is this the deal? Alder didn't seem to know, but the Imperatrix was like, oh yeah, yeah, there are witches out there that we don't know about, but like, they're not good enough for us. <laughs> like, excuse me, what? Alder probably would have like, wanted to test them and recruit them because she's short on numbers and she needs a lot of people. Like. Well, wouldn't it be in everybody's best interest, both the army and the spree, to try and recruit them? Why are the Camarilla the first one that thought, oh, let's test people to see if they're witches? I mean, I, th that, that would be bad, by the way. Like, whoever did that, that would be bad. A mandatory test to see if you're a witch is bad, no matter who does it. But, you know, it could be a voluntary... Thing, you know, it, but and even you know, even as bad, it's not like the army or the spree are good. Um, so why wouldn't they do it? Why was the Camarilla the first ones to think about it? What the hell? 
why are they coming ahead of this army and this free on witches matters like what is going on i am really pumped for next episode though the trailer for that episode who is promising i'm really really hoping um that we get some action and i don't know a real development because i feel like we've gotten a lot of a lot of stuff thrown at us, a lot of facts, a lot of new revelations, but not a lot of movement with the story actually. So I hope that this starts happening. But yeah, this is the end of this segment. So thank you for listening to my rant. Hi guys, so this is the end of the podcast and I'm actually recording this as I edit because... As I've mentioned, I've been extremely busy, so basically everything was last minute, like proper last minute, like I published in less than an hour. Um, So today, basically, I got off work, I had dinner, I spoke to my girlfriend for five minutes, and then I started editing and recording. I just wanted to say I am extremely excited for tonight's episode, even though, unfortunately, because I'm working early in the morning, I won't be able to watch it until tomorrow because time zones. I posted a poll on Twitter out of the four options. So basically the question was, which storyline are you most excited for this season? And the options were Rael's new powers, Alder's past and secrets, Scylla and Anacostia's mission, or Abigail's storyline. The one with the most votes ended up being Scylla and Anacostia's mission. In second place was Alder's Past and Secrets, then Rael's New Powers, and then Abigail's Storyline. This is actually funny because my pick was actually Abigail's Storyline. I just think that Abigail has the most interesting character arc because she starts out... And she's all about being a bellwether. It's her whole personality almost. And she grows. She grows so much. And this season, she wants to truly stand out for herself. Not because she's a bellwether, but because of who Abigail is. And she's working on herself. She's trying to like step away from this idealizing her social status and she's realizing that actually it's much more satisfying to be you know to be considered special because of you rather than your last name i'm really really excited to see how this all develops i'm guessing by the end of the season she'll be able to unlock some very strong powers We do see her tonight having a solo fight, potentially, with some Camarilla guys, which I'm really excited for because we actually haven't seen a lot. Well, obviously, we saw it in season one after the wedding, right after the wedding, we did see Abigail having to cope with it. But since then, it's just kind of been mentioned what the Camarilla has actually taken from her. But we haven't seen in in these three episodes of season two, we haven't really s- seen a lot of it and we haven't 
really gone into Abigail's feelings about it. And it looks like tonight we might, because, well, she's going to have the chance to fight them herself again. Of course, I'm also incredibly excited for the big scene with Rael and Scylla actually seeing each other again for the first time since season one. And um, I just want to see how this whole thing evolves, you know, with the older now wanting to set up these test centers, but also the Camarilla is already kind of doing this. Yeah, how is it going to go down and how are witches going to react? Yeah, I'm really excited to see how tonight's action goes. I cannot wait for the actual action scenes. You know what? After you watch the episode, tag us and tell us what your favourite scene from this episode was. Now, my bet is that most people will say the regular scene. But hey, you might just surprise me. So go ahead and like send me a picture of um, what your fa favourite scene was and uh, we'll do the same. Well, I'll do the same because I'm not sure Zoe's going to be able to watch tomorrow. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, guys. I hope I wasn't too boring. I know that the, the kind of dynamics of the podcast are messing without Zoe and I really miss her. But unfortunately, we've just not been able to record together. Enjoy tonight's episode and then tune in next week for a new podcast episode about episode four. Stay safe and thank you for listening to this Witches Podcast.